This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn here on a Mitch Marathon Month. And yes, I am digging back into the closet, pulling out some of the, some interviews that, that, that slipped through the crack. And so if you've noticed what I'm doing is sort of like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm giving you fresh new interviews that, that are newsworthy and, and happening right now. And then like Tuesday, Thursday, I'm sort of throwing the interview, a couple of interviews that were... Um, left in the vaults uh, for an, uh, you know for the lack of a better word and uh, this one here today is with Dave Bickler who of course it, w- it was or well was the original lead singer for Survivor and uh, there are two things I, I want to talk about when we when we talk Survivor now his new album by the way or his latest album is called uh, Dark Light do go check out Dark Light it's it's certainly worth uh, a listen but when you think back to to Survivor, you've got to look at their first album, uh, the, the eponymous Survivor Survivor album. It was produced and engineered and mixed by folks that would later go on to work with Kiss, Motley Crue, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and, and pretty much everybody else in between. You've got Bruce Fairburn uh, on there mixing it. You've got Bob Rock, uh, bandmate Jim Pederick's on there. The assistant engineer is Mike Klink. Uh, it is uh, produced by Ron Nevison. Uh, you know, and it's uh, you know recorded and engineered furthermore by by Bruce Fairburn and and, and Jim Pederick. I mean, just an all star team of production and mixing. On their very, very first album. I mean, who knew on that first album that that production team and engineering and mixing team would go on and have such an illustrious career? You, you know, between those guys, they've, what, easily sold 100 million albums or, or have had a hand in albums that have sold about 100 million albums? I mean, that, that's a guess, but it's got to be. Right, I mean, it's got to be if you if you look at everything Ron's done and 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 and, and you know Mike Clink with Guns N' Roses anyway. Now the other thing, of course, that um, Survivor is known for is a soundtrack song. You know, Rocky Three soundtrack song, Eye of the Tiger. Now Dave sang the song, so we're talking to the guy who sang Eye of the Tiger, one of the greatest songs. Known to man, my opinion, and it, it, it's funny because when I was, you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and I was, you know, a young whippersnapper, I always thought that soundtrack songs were songs that were throwaways that they they weren't good enough to be on the band's album, so they would just throw them away and give them to the movie studio. That's what I thought. I thought, oh. It's on a soundtrack. Eh, wasn't good enough for the album, so it can't be any good. But I'm going to read to you this list that I've been looking at of soundtracks. And 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 you know, first of all, what is the best soundtrack song for you? I mean, Eye of the Tiger gets me every time. And, and you know, that's that's a, and I also want to discuss what is the best soundtrack album and, and i'm gonna keep that at the end here of this of this little talk up here because I, i've got one 
and it's not what you're going to expect. But but let's look at some of these these great soundtrack songs. Okay, so I, I you know I like all kinds of music, melodic rock and stuff. So I'm going to start with this one, Phil Collins, uh, for the movie Buster, which was a, a gangster film, gave two songs, a groovy kind of love, gotta love it, great song, but also two hearts. Right? Can you sing it? Two hearts. Anyway, I don't sing. There's a lot of things I do, and some of them I shouldn't do. But of course, Two Hearts, uh, great song. Soundtrack song, right? Who knew? And it went on to uh, to get an Oscar nomination, and, and furthermore, it went on and got a Grammy win. So there you go. Um, Billy Idol, who I am seeing with Brian Adams in August. Uh, one of his greatest songs ever released, Cradle of Love. And you're going, well, it's not, come on, it's not. Yeah, guess what? Cradle of Love was part of an Andrew Dice Clay movie. And um, just absolutely one of the greatest songs you're, you're ever going to hear from uh, from Billy Idol. Uh, and then, of course, let, let's go over here. I'm, I'm, so let me just go through this list. Uh, and I and I want you to compile a list and go over to at Mitch Lafon on Twitter and uh, send me your your best soundtrack songs. And, and also, by the way, uh, while you're on the internet, loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch, pick up a T-shirt. Got to love the T-shirts. But OK, let, let's keep going. Uh, Bob Seeger from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Shakedown. That is essential essential um bob seeger right there one of his greatest songs ever just sort of hey here you go uh you know and if you look at billboard's hot 100 it was his only only number one single so uh great great song right there uh, maniac by uh, michael sambello um boy what else um here here's one from the uh, breakfast club ah Ah, we love The Breakfast Club. What a what a great classic movie. Believe it or not, I actually watched it twice this year. It's been appearing on our um, cable TV uh, movie package, and you're thinking, uh, some of you younger ones, what's cable TV? I know, I know. I'm old. I still have cable. But uh, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds, a song, by the way, that they didn't want to record. They wanted nothing to do with it. And it appears on the Breakfast Club soundtrack. And it was, by the way, also covered by Billy Idol later on. One of the greatest uh, songs uh, put put out by that band. Um, okay, where else are we going to... Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Since we like rock. Let's go over to John Bon Jovi. Blaze of Glory. So the band, you know, after New Jersey is having a tough time... Richie goes and does his thing, and John goes and does his thing. And and so John puts out a solo record that's not really a solo record because it's part of a soundtrack, so it's not really him leaving the band. It's it's him doing a movie. Anyway, uh, Blaze of Glory from, from Young Guns 2. Uh, phenomenal. And the band, what is left of the band, um, still play it once in a while in concert. And you just hear that opening, and you get sucked in right away. Love that song. 
And, and so I, I'm, I'm now fighting with my, my 12-year-old self going, you see? You see? These are not throwaways, dude. These are great, great songs. And of course, uh, we'll continue. Uh, Ray Parker, Junior. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ghostbusters, number one song. Um, boy, what else do we have? Uh, uh, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis, The Power of Love. Now that, I think, was when I had my epiphany because I remember being a huge Huey Lewis fan back in that uh, back in that time. Sports, one of the greatest albums ever. Now, you know, let me let me think. What do we qualify Huey Lewis as being? I, I don't think they're necessarily a pop act. And I'm, they're certainly not a metal act. Are they just a rock band? Is Huey Lewis just a rock band? How, how do we categorize them? Anyway, The Power of Love from Back to the Future, which, by the way, by the way, I, I remember very specifically being exceptionally peeved that at the time, at least around where I lived, I don't know about the rest of the world, but around where I lived, the only format that you could get it on was vinyl. And somebody had given it to me as a birthday present on vinyl. And I went to, to the shopping mall. I know, I know, I'm old. I went to malls. And um, couldn't find it on cassette, couldn't find it on CD. Drove me nuts. Because I would see the video on Much Music up here in Canada. And couldn't, couldn't own a copy that I could play. And we, we can have the vinyl debate all you want. I don't like vinyl. I've never liked vinyl. Hiss and pop and play 20 minutes of music and have to stand up and flip it over. And always having to play it in a very linear way where you go song one to song two to song three to song four. You know, even in the early days of compact disc, you could hit random and the album would appear in whatever uh, fashion that the whatever computer decided. And of course, I'm an iTunes guy, so I like making playlists, having to listen to something, you know, one to two, two to three. I can't stand it. And then you throw in the hiss and the pop. Leave me alone. Ugh, leave me alone. Uh, but so, so the power of love only could get it on vinyl and it drove me up a wall. Uh, but, you know, hey, um, what else do we got? Ah, let's go back to Phil Collins. And we talked, by the way, about Maniac. Another sort of dancing movie was Footloose, Kenny Loggins. Now, now Kenny also had uh, a song on the Top Gun soundtrack, Might, uh, not Mighty Wings, that was Cheap Trick, uh, Danger Zone. Uh, and by the way, the Top Gun soundtrack with Cheap Trick doing Mighty Wings, see, that's Mighty Wings is one of the greatest Cheap Trick songs. And for years... Uh, you couldn't get hold of it on the you know cheap trick compilation or anything like that. So th that's another one. But okay, back to Phil Collins. Uh, Against all odds, from the movie. Against all odds, brilliant song, one of his best. Um, and, and let me start. Let me let me start wrapping this up here because th there are so many, so many, so many, so many. Um, boy, uh, oh, uh, uh, Prince. The whole Purple Rain soundtrack. Now, some of you are going to argue that that's the best soundtrack ever when Doves Cry and Purple Rain and all. Well, maybe. I might listen to that argument if you want to say that. But, mm -hmm. 
Uh, of course, we had the Bee Gees staying alive. That that whole Saturday Night Fever soundtrack just absolutely uh, terrific. But um, we, we uh, um, what I'm trying to oh yes, Brian Adams. That's what I'm trying to say. See, I, I get I, I get forgetful as I get older. One of the greatest songs ever for for an artist, I believe, uh, and I haven't looked it up, but I believe it holds the record for most consecutive weeks at number one or in the top ten, something like that, on the UK charts. And it is, of course, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Now that, by the way, Huey Lewis, I was able to get as a CD single. So, uh uh-huh, I bought it and played it, so what are you going to say about that? Now, let's get over to the greatest soundtrack ever. And I'm hearing the arguments for Prince, but, you know, I'm a rock fan. I, I like rock. It has to be a soundtrack to what was remarkably a, a sort of dull movie. Now, you might argue that the roadie soundtrack with Cheap Trick doing Everything Works If You Let It is terrific, and, and uh, Alice Cooper doing Pain. But I think I'm going to give my vote to Last Action Hero, the uh, Schwarzenegger movie. You've got uh, Big Gun by ACDC. You've got Alice in Chains on there. You've got Megadeth, Real World with, with Queensryche, uh, Anthrax. There's a, a an incredible, incredible live version of Dream On by Aerosmith, which which I believe had like a 50-piece orchestra or something like that going on. Um, uh, you've got Cypress Hill, um, you've got Last Action Hero, the uh, title track by Tesla, which honestly, why doesn't Tesla play that song live? You know, I'm actually going to see them next week and I'm going to ask them, I'm going to say, Hey, Tesla, play the damn song. I'm just going to say it like that because I'm a dick. No, I'm not. Uh, but I will suggest that they play that song uh, and then I'm going to, but then of course, uh, since Te- Tesla is touring with Def Leppard, uh, Def Leppard had that song two steps behind. So, so you look at this soundtrack, ACDC, Megadeth, Queensryche, Def Leppard, Anthrax, Aerosmith, Tesla. I mean, I'm sorry, Prince, but in my world, that wins right there. So there you go. So anyway, I, I, I took a long deviation from, from David Bickler. The, the album is, is available. Go check it out. This interview dates from uh, April of 2019. So a little bit late. A little bit. A little bit. But we are Mitch Marathon Monthing. Can we say that? I'm almost caught up. Uh, in the can that have been recorded and uh, coming up soon. Here, I'll, I'll tell you these ones, and maybe you can you can Twitter me or, or Facebook me to tell me which ones. But we've got um, Glenn Sobel from Alice Cooper's band. We've got Robin Trower. Now, here's the thing with Trower: I have, and I looked it up, not one, <laughs> but two uh, interviews. One from 2018 that really slipped through the cracks, and then one from 2019. So I think on that episode, I'm going to just give you both of them and just say, you know what, sorry, but here they are. 
uh, Sherry Curry, producer Dave Pratter, who worked on uh, Night Rangers Feeding Off the Mojo and uh, Arcade with Stephen Piercy. We've got um, Janet Gardner, who was in uh, Vixen with her husband. We've got Miles Davis's uh, son, uh, David Freeberg of uh, Starship, Gary Phil, or sorry, not Phil, Gary Peel of um, Boston and uh, Sammy Hagar's band. And then I've got a, a Yes special, Billy Sherwood, which I just, just, just recorded, in fact, yesterday. And John Davidson. Now, now the John Davidson part of the, the Yes one, because it is from 2018, and it um, slipped through the cracks because I was on a different platform, and then I there were there was changes made, and and because of the changes made, it, it, anyway, you're you're going to get that. Uh, I've got a foreigner one, so so we're almost caught up. I'm just let me count them here. Uh, I've got about nine, so we're we're almost done. A couple more weeks, and Mitch Marathon Month will come to an end, and uh, then we'll just do it all over again. So uh, anyway. Without further ado, here is the one, the only, Dave Bickler. We are speaking with a singer Dave Bickler, formerly of Survivor, but now solo. He's got a new album out called Dark Light. Dave, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And likewise, my friend, absolute pleasure to talk to you as well. Yes, uh, and of course, uh, thank you to to Chip for setting it up. He's uh, he's been busy. He set it, uh, set me up with uh, Judas Priest and with you today, so it's been a good uh, Chip day. <laughs> oh, good, good, good company for me. Good company for you. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about Dark Light and and making new music. You, of course, uh, you know, listen to the premise. You were, of course, in in Survivor. You have Eye of the Tiger. You have these big hits. You 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 left. You came back. You could easily go out there and say Dave Bickler presents Survivor and and give people fifteen of the greatest songs. But you're like, nope. We need new music. So talk to me about the importance of making new music, staying relevant, staying current, and and staying an artist and being creative. Boy, I, I sure hope so. You know, I mean that that's what I want more than anything else. You know, just to to be able to create music you know not just not i mean it's great to have you know recognition for the stuff you've done and and i my past work i'm 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 proud of that you know the work i did with survivor i'm proud of but you know you i would i want to forge ahead and uh, i still i still love doing this i'm still very grateful to be able to do to, to, to play music and that i get the opportunity to do that you know so i don't take it for granted and uh, you know I can't help it. I mean, and I and I love like recording and and doing that whole process is uh, is still I, I I say this a lot, but it it still seems magical to me that you can do that. You can you can record things and play them back. It, it's it's I know it's a it's it's like you know what 120 years old now the technology, but it's ama- it's amazing to me still. It really is. So, talk to me about uh, putting together the the songs. Do do you sort of go back? Because you know I've heard it. I've had access to the press kit and stuff, but fans haven't heard it. Are you sort of revisiting what you were doing with Survivor and giving them an updated thing? Or what are you doing musically? So a fan that hasn't heard from you in a couple of years, they want to check it out. What can they expect? Yeah, I mean, it. look, I, I'm a, I, I, uh, you know, where I come from, I, I'm a tenor, you know, I, I, uh, I, I like, I like m- melodic rock. And uh, so if you listen to my new record, you're gonna you're gonna hear that, but I but I also believe that it's a, a modern sounding record, and uh, and hopefully, 
you know, the, the songs that are compelling, it's the, 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 the things that I write songs about are stuff that's important to me or means something to me. Um, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it, it was a, it was a personal journey and I, and I hope people would uh, give it a, give it a shot, give it a listen. I think they will. And, and talk to me a little bit about, about the personal journey, because the, the first line in the press release that caught my eye, it said debut solo album. And, you know, I've known of you since back in the eighties with of course, Eye of the Tiger and the whole mm-hmm. thing. I was I'm a huge music fan. And I was like, what? He hasn't done a solo album since? Uh, it actually sort of caught me by surprise. I, I thought by now you'd have like 10 of them out. So first of all, what took you so long to get to your first solo album? And then tell me about the journey about actually doing something under your own brand and own banner and not as a band project. Yeah, I mean, I did make a bunch of recordings, you know, and, and over, over the years, you know, but I never quite thought that or, 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 or people didn't want to hear it. or didn't want to listen to it. You know, they didn't, they didn't even want to give it a shot, you know at the time. Um, and, and a lot of times too, I, I wasn't personally not satisfied with, you know, the results, you know, uh, of that. Um, but, but, you know, I thought there was some good stuff, but finally, you know, it, it, it and I was in bands too, you know, I had bands where there were band bands and it wasn't my solo project. It was a pro- project, you know, a collective project with a band, but, um, you know, I just, that. I decided, you know, it's been a while now since I made that decision, but I decided I, I wanted to get serious about it and try to find the right people, the best people I could get to play on that record, you know, and I had all these songs, right? You know, I had all these songs. And uh, so I, I started looking around for a drummer first because, um, you know, the, the, the way to put it together, not having a band around me, I thought uh, I, I would have to get a great drum tracks first and foremost. And that's how I came to find Ryan Hoyle, uh, a friend of mine uh, at that Sony Jeremy Holiday um, suggested it, and I when I when I looked in, I thought he would be perfect for me. So I started going out to California to Ryan Hoyle's drums. He was by the way with Collective Soul, and he played. You know, he toured with Paul Rogers, and um, uh, so making the trek out to L.A. to to record drum tracks, and also Brad Smith was part of that. The guy from Blind Melon, Blind Melon, yeah, he plays bass. Blind Melon, he's all, he's all, he's a, he played bass on it, but he also helped me. Like he's he's a formidable, you know musician songwriter himself you know so he uh he helped me a lot with uh with those sessions and you know then you know just over time i'm recording these tracks and uh i finally ended up at sound spot productions in uh, new jersey with steven dakutis and uh you know that's where we started getting serious about you know overdubbing guitars and you know you know the vocals we did and and so that that was you know a long trek to get it to get it finished Talk to me about the process in terms of where do these songs come from? Are these things that you sort of put together in 2017, 2018, and early 2019? Or do these go back to the night? I mean, where do the songs come from? Is this a new personal statement? Or is this looking back in the catalog and saying, you know what? When we did those 20 demos with Survivor back from 93 to 96, we should have released this. So I'm going to release it. Where does the music come from? You know, it's songs that I, uh, some of those songs were, we had their genesis a long time ago that I couldn't quite finish, you know, and I didn't know quite how, how to finish them at the time, but there was always an idea lingering in my head. And some of them were, were, were new along the process. I think I started the, uh, started the recording drum tracks in 2010, you know, <laughs> and, uh, 
So I, you know, along the way I was writing new songs. And so it's, it's kind of a mix of, of, of songs of mine. Some of them that are go back to that time period and some are, are, are along the process, new ones that I wrote as we went along. Yeah. And that's great. So uh, just real quick, let me, let me go back to the uh, survivor days for, for a little bit, because at the time uh, in, I was in high school, obviously Rocky three comes out. Eye of the tiger hits big you're all over the place i mean ubiquitous uh, you couldn't run away from tv or or radio and and not get that song coming at you um yeah. talk to me <laughs> about that time because you know you grow up as a kid you want to be successful you want to have this moment in the spotlight and boom suddenly you have it what was that like for you to be like be in any mall in any radio station and, and just go that's me that is me yeah, no, it's all, you know, I I remember the first time I heard my uh, record that I'd done on the radio and that was, that was a great moment, right? That's, that's, if you, if you want to be a musician, you want to be, you know, in a rock band, that's what, that's what, that's your goal is to get your song on the radio. So, you know, yeah, the, the, that Eye of the Tiger, when it, when it came out just was, you know, uh, unbelievable. It exploded. And in fact, I can remember my friends in Chicago after, you know, it was not, it was like a, it was it was no, I think it was number one for six weeks and on the Billboard charts, but they they played it for months in Chicago. We are home our hometown, right? And my friends are going, please <laughs> stop. You know, they were actually quite annoyed with it because uh, it, it, it it played so played played so much. But it changed everything for the band. You know, that's that was the you know uh, uh, we went from you know being one thing to being another thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, all the, all with all new the- all new stresses as well because before you're, the record company's like, all right, we need a hit, we need a hit, we need a hit. You got to produce. That's your stress, and then you have the hit, and they're right. like, all right, well now you need to make another one like that, and you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, right, <laughs> right. Isn't record aren't record companies fun? But okay, so because I, I'm going from the highest high to, and I don't know if the, if the next part is the lowest low, but after that, the vocal problems come in, the voice gives out. Um, talk to me yeah. a little bit about that time. Was that just because you were on the road so much, and and the, the record company and the band was just doing too much? When did you discover? I, I don't really it? know. It's, it's still a mystery to me. Why well, I, I was getting hoarse when we were out. We were out with Ario Speedwagon, you know, on tour, um, and uh, I was getting hoarse, you know, and, and I, I I'd never I'd never had that happen to me before, and I didn't know what was wrong. So I went to a uh, you know a vocal laryngologist, however you pronounce that word, and uh, uh, he looked at my vocal cords and told me I have polyps on my vocal cords. And, you know, and a very common, a very common occurrence for singers. You know, it, and and he said that if it was nodules, you could treat that by you know voice resting, and there's a lot of things you can do, but without surgery, but but polyps will never go away unless they're surgically removed. So I had to have surgery in the middle of that tour, and that was really stressful. You know, uh, but it was successful. It worked, but uh, I I found myself back out on the road. You know, in, in in two weeks, I was back right out on the road, which is probably not the best idea in the world. But we were in the middle of all that, you know, so I really had to. So I I had done voice rest. You know, I had to uh, to carry a notebook around with me. I couldn't speak at all. A lot. The doctor told me no speaking. So <laughs> just sing it. Sing and then not speak. So try it sometime if you want to find out how how uh, difficult that is and how we take for granted speaking because you can communicate so quickly and, you know, in such a, 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 a precise way. It's really hard to do that when you have to write everything down. 
Yeah, it's very tough. Yeah, and what people don't realize is that we're speaking all the time. Even when you're driving the car, you're usually saying, "Hey, all right, pass or stop." Or you know, there's always some vocalization right. going on. You you can't right. escape it. Um, it's, and it's so yeah, it's so powerful to be able to do that to communicate. It really is. Yeah, and and when they say uh, you know the the sound is deafening or or what, what, no, what's, what's the expression they say uh, the the uh, silence, si- is si- silence is deafening. You're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it really is. But you're okay. right. Um, talk to me a little bit about Jim Petterick and and uh, Frankie Sullivan because the rumor is or the story goes that you have these issues and they say, dude. Suck it up, Buttercup. Let's get back out there. We got money to make. I mean, was it was it really sort of that harsh where they there was no concern for your health, no concern for your rest? Or is that sort of, you know, a myth that has grown over the last 30 years? It, was, it wasn't that there was no concern, but um, I, I the concern, the, which you can understand, the concern was we were in the middle of this amazing breakout, you know, with this amazing song, which was you know, just huge. And, you know, that we were in the middle of this really important tour, you know, and that I was going to, you know, you know, get in the way of our, our success. You know, I mean, that was what I was, I was feeling a lot of, you know, uh, and, and it did, it did, it was a lot of pressure, you know, it really was. Oh, I, I can imagine. So, uh, eventually, you come back to the band. Uh, talk to me about that. W- was that bittersweet, or was that regaining your crown? Oh, it was. It was just. I. 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 I when, when I was asked back, like in 1993, I, I. I jumped at the chance because I, I. I wanted to get back up and play and perform, and you know, it, it. It was good to be back, if you will. And we had we had some good years in there. We 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 actually made quite a few recordings too. Some of them, which are are not some of them haven't even been heard that we did, you know, uh, during that time period. But, uh, we, uh, you know, it, it, it was good, you know, until it wasn't, you know, until it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I am going to ask you about those demos cause they're, they are famous, but getting back to dark light for a second, you, you have the guy from blind melon, you got the guy from collective soul in there. Do you take this out on the road and, and give it a proper tour and, and get out there? And, and if so, do you focus just on the album or is it sort of the greatest hits you get? You get some dark light, but you also get some of what you're known for. Uh, I would say, you know, all the above. I'm, if, uh, you know, I have I have done shows, you know, uh, uh, where I've done both. You know, I, I've done both. I've all played some 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 of my uh, the ones that I really like to sing. You know, the ones I like to sing. Uh, I'll, I'll sing Survivor songs and uh, and then do my original stuff too. With the idea of working more in the, more of those into the set as, as as I go along, which is a good idea. So so talk to me about uh, your voice now because you had the issue. Uh, we are all getting a bit older. Uh, how is the voice <laughs> holding up, and what do you have to do to keep it in in top shape? Because you have a very sp- particular voice. I mean, when you hear "Eye of the Tiger," and I'm going to refer to that because that's what people know. Yeah, sure. That's a very precise vocal. I mean, there, there there's a sound. You know, you can tell uh, that it's you. Um, what do you do to keep the voice in shape at this, at this point? Well, what I didn't do in the old days was, uh, I did not ever warm up. You know, I didn't take particularly good care of myself, you know? Um, so, um, that was all, all bad stuff. And I've learned, uh, now to, uh, the, the warmups are critical, you know, and I've got some really good ones that I do that are really effective. And it's amazing how much easier it makes it to sing, you know? 
So that that stuff is critical to me now. And you know, you, you gotta you gotta get some sleep. <laughs> you know, that it, it's resting and you resting your voice. Just the sleeping at night is really really important. It really is. So now that we have the new album out. Is it sort of, a, you know, a life thing where it's taken five or ten years to, to get to this point and it's done and now we're moving on? Or does it sort of awaken the creative juices and say, OK, dark light this year. In two years, we get a new one. Is there more coming or was this like, oh, we finally made it. We're good. No, more coming. Yes. I'm glad you asked. Um, yes, I'm, I'm working on that. And, and I and I can assure you that this will not take as long as the the, the dark light did to get done because i know i have you know these wonderful people that i work with and i know i can you know a team of people that i can work with that to look to to make that a lot smoother and faster well um, uh i really look forward to that and and uh uh, yeah, I plan on, you know, having the next one coming out. Yeah, the, you know, uh, not too distant future. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping for it. By the way, the, the new album, like I said, I've had a chance to hear it. It is great. It really is. They're, they're, they're fun songs. And I think that's the important thing that, that a lot of bands forget is that it's supposed to be fun. And this is fun. It's a fun collection of songs. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I mean, I, yeah, I hope so, too. I think it is important to have, to have fun. A lot of bands, you know, the Beatles had fun, didn't they? I mean, they had a lot of fun, you know, doing stuff, being, you know, and, and I remembered that. I, that stuck that stuck with me. You know, they they would do something like, you know, Maxwell Silver Hammer, you know, just this really out there, you know, crazy song, but but just, you know, but but fun, as you say. Oh, it's absolutely fun. And uh, I will go back to the to the past just a little bit here. Uh, the album, of course, is Caught in the Game. You you do Eye of the Tiger. The song goes massive. The movie goes massive. You're all over the place. You're the the tour, Ario Speedwagon. Um, what was it like going into Caught in the Game? Was there a lot of record company pressure? Was there a lot of guys sitting in the studio going, yeah, it's not a hit. You're going to have to redo that. Or was it just like, okay, we know you got it. Go do what you got to do. Um, you've got Kevin Cronin that comes in. You've got uh, Mr. Mister's Richard Page that's, that's doing back and yeah. vocals. Richard uh, Page, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> well, Richard was doing everybody back then. I mean, he was on Twisted Sisters' yeah. album back then. He was on Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil back then. He was on um, uh, Kisses so. Kiss Creatures yeah. of the Night, if I'm not mistaken, if I know my history correctly. Yeah, he's a, he's a, in fact, do you, do you ever talk to Richard? I'd love to get him as an interview. But I, I, oh. Richard, if you're out there anywhere listening, I I, I would love to talk to you. <laughs> because, yeah, he, he was a really nice and a real gentleman. And, yeah, it was a, it was cool. And, uh, you know, that was before Mr. Mister. And, you know, then, of course, it, you know, that, that came out and just blew up. It was, you know, it was amazing, amazing records. Well, what's, made. not to get away from you for a second, but just to talk for about Richard, is when Mr. Mister came out, those songs were so perfect. They were, they were candy-coated. They were perfect. You know, and and at sitting there watching much music in Canada and MTV when I would go to the states, you'd go, "Who is this band? Where did they come from?" And then years later, as I started doing interviews and stuff, and you go, "Oh, he was on Shout at the Devil. Oh, he was on Caught in the Game. Oh, he was on." You go, "Oh, this guy was. Yeah, he's a ringer. He's not some rookie that they just threw out there and had had perfect songs. His career was waiting to happen. Yep, and the rest of the guys in Mister Mister." But but quickly, uh, caught in the game though. Was there an incredible amount of pressure? Was there an incredible expectation? Um, it is sort of the last. Well, in fact, it is the last album that you that you've done with Survivor. Yeah, um, my last album with Survivor. Yeah. 
so 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 talk to me about about that experience because we we know the eye of the tiger story it was a great time it, it, it took off but what was the after album like was that was that a good moment for you sort of saying hey we're king of the hill right now it it was a it was a little bit strange you know because there was like you know this just thing hanging over it all you know and, and there was a lot of there was a quite a bit of pressure of course to you know repeat your success it's always tough to it wasn't our sophomore album because that was our i have a title was our third album but but it, was, it felt like it because you know again that there's that pressure to to do it again right and um you know i i thought i thought there was some pretty good stuff on that on that record you know i thought there was some pretty good uh you know songs on it and some good performances so let me ask you this then. Um, Frank, of course, Frankie Sullivan produced all the albums. Uh, I have always felt that band members should not produce albums, and I'm not taking a shot at Frankie, but I, I've always thought that outside ears are important. What sort of your take? And of course, we're not we're not insulting Frankie here, but what sort of your take on that? Would you have preferred to have maybe like a Bob Ezrin come in, or or a Tom Worman come in, or, or Ron Nevison, or? Frankie understood the band and Frankie knew what was right for us. How do you sort of look at outside producers and being self-produced? Um, you know, I thought Frankie actually did a, a pretty good job of that. Now he did have help. He had, you know, Phil Bonanno, our longtime, you know, engineer that worked with us in Chicago. And he, he was on the, the, he was, you know, part of the team there for, 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 for the production. And, and Mike Klink, who, who had, uh, been uh ron nevison's you know protege, protege right so, yeah yeah before yeah, before he's... running off to guns and roses so you got right, him in his... running off the guns and roses pretty good huh you got him yeah. in his formative years and uh yeah, yeah in fact the, great, the co-host the co-host on the show is alan niven who who managed uh guns and roses back in the day so uh, we get a lot of mike clink stories but okay uh, <laughs> mike clink stories great <laughs> yeah we and I just interviewed Nevison the other day, but but okay. So talk to me about that though. Uh, would you would you prefer would you have preferred having a Nevison come in and do it, or, or did Frankie just really understand it the way it was supposed to be? I mean, I know you said he did a good job, but but did he do a great job? Yeah, I, I think he did a pretty great job. You know, uh, honestly, and and who knows, right? If some outside producer had come in. Um, but it seemed it seemed to work, you know. It seemed to work, you know. So, so yeah, I, did, I didn't have a problem with it, you know. I mean, it it could be rancorous at times. As a matter of fact, the day we recorded the vocal for "Eye of the Tiger," I think I sang that song a hundred times, and I'm not exaggerating, you know. And he wasn't; it wasn't right. And at one point, I just said, "That's it." I'm a, I, le I left and went over to the video game parlor and played video games for a while, you know, just to get out of the out of the pressure cooker and, and then came back in and and you know we did a couple more takes and that was it. Well, then you've just proven uh, my uh, his point. Uh, he got it right because that's <laughs> that song is absolutely did, perfect. But it, it, it was torture. Though. <laughs> it was torture. Um, in terms of the uh, Dark Light album, um, I don't have the credits in front of me, but it, it, did you produce that yourself? No, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I didn't take a producer's cr uh, production credit for that, but I mean, of course, I, you know, when I was out with, with Ryan in, in California, you know, he, I, I gave him production credit for producing the drums, because he did, and he's he, he he had his own studio and all that stuff, and he, 
you know, he set up the drums and, you know, and mic'd the drums and recorded them. And he was just brilliant at it, you know. And so, you know, he gets that. I mean, but but we worked together, of course. You know, we we listened to the takes that we had, and we we you know we, we did that mutually. But I I just you know I, I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to take a production credit for that. But I, I was part of that. But the same with Stephen Diakoudis, we worked very closely together. But he deserves that producer hat for that, you know. He really does. And uh, I'll quickly remind the folks to head over to DaveBickler.com. It's uh, pronounced, as you hear it, DaveBickler.com. You can, of course, get the uh, the new album, Dark Light, and uh, different bundles, in fact. Um, Dave, absolute pleasure. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 really special to me, having grown up with, with your music in the, you know, I remember specifically... I'm having a flashback of sitting in a pizza parlor or a pizzeria, as I guess we call them. And, and, and you know, you put, you put put the 25 cents in the quarter. And I spent a lot of quarters on Eye of the Tiger. I just, I really did. And uh, it, it's just nice to talk to the voice that of that song and, and of that of that memory. So thank you. Well, well, thanks. It's great to talk to you too. And apparently, we we have a lot of connections, sort of <laughs> uh, crossing connections in our our lives and stuff, and people that we know and yep. all that. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, you know what? That's what you learn in this business. It's a very, very small world, and I, and I sometimes I see different journalists or different writers or whatever, and they they'll badmouth this guy or they'll badmouth that guy. And it's like, don't do that. He's connected to this guy who's connected to that publicist who's connected to the. Just just be nice. Just be nice, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's better to be nice in general. I do. I don't think it costs you much. You know, I, I realize that you know things happen with people and all that. But in in general, you know what I mean. And that's kind of the theme too with me these days. That that the people I work with, I want them. I want I want them to be nice people. You know what I mean. Yep. And, yeah. And you can you can be talented and be successful and still be nice if possible. Yeah, and it's great to have that sort of inner peace, and it's, and it's just, you know, and I'll just quickly bring it back to Jim and Frank. You, you know, I, I interviewed both of them, and and I'm not going to name names, but one of them was like, yeah, we had a great time, it was a great career, and I'd be happy to work with them again. And the other one was like, blah, not a chance on God's green earth, the horrible, 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 miserable people. And I was like, really? After all these years, yeah. really? And I'll leave I'm it at that. that. I'm sorry to hear that, and I won't. <laughs> I won't name any names either. But I think you know. I think you know. I think you yeah. know which which way the fingers are pointing. But yeah, it's it's too bad. It really is too bad. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, it's a shame. It is, uh, folks. A uh, dark light is out now. Dave Bickler. Dave Bickler. Dave Bickler. Dot com. And uh, in fact, buy a copy. Don't stream it. Streaming is fun, <laughs> but buying is better. Uh, merci, Monsieur. Thank you so much. Hey, hey, Mitch, it was great talking to you, my friend, really. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk.